If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. Hello, everybody. I'm Tom Vassell. Hey, it's me, Rado. Alrighty, for those of you listening, as always, tell us if one of us is louder than the other, and I'll make our levels more even. And also, if you're watching, we are not sponsored by Comcast. No. Uh, <laughs> oh, my gosh. I, I feel I need to channel some Eric Summer here and cry to the heavens, Comcast! Yes. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> well, on good news, we are sponsored this episode by Soul Givers. And the good news for that is that there is a contest for all of you all. So Soul Givers here, which is funded, fully funded. So if you win, there, we'll have two copies here of the 75-euro pledge. If you win them, you're going to get it. It's going to be going out, I believe, let me look over here, in April 2021. It is a two-player tactical game with magnets. I'm all on board yes. when there's magnets. Uh, and two copies. To enter this contest, you just need to email us at Dice Tower, or I'm sorry, at contest at dicetower.com. Put the word soul. That's S-O-U-L. Don't do the Korean capital. Soul in the, in the thing. And then you need to answer this question. What is the cosmic disease that players, that plagues the Soul Givers multiverse? I can tell you what it's not. <laughs> Comcast! <laughs> well, that would be a hilarious name for disease. <laughs> and if I didn't think that they would sue me, that would be a funny thing to do in the future. <laughs> Folks, this contest is open till September 28th at midnight. You can check out a link to the game in the description below. And uh, there you go. It's open to anyone in the U.S. or Europe. So, unlike the... Uh, Hero Quest game that just went live. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So, welcome. It's been a while. I apologize. This one's all on me. I was selfish. Two weeks ago was my birthday, and I wanted to do go out to eat rather than... So, what did you do instead of hang out with all of us? <laughs> Who was so important that you couldn't spend your very special day with us? We went to a restaurant down in the Keys, an outside restaurant, because that's the best kind to go to right now. And I had some lobster. I'm, I'm so very sorry. But and I, some key lime pie, I am sure. Of course. Yes. <laughs> Come on now, I'm not a cretin. Um, <laughs> but folks, if you've not seen this show, we do it every two weeks, um, except this time we did it a month. We'll be back in two weeks on the Dice Tower channel. But we talk about board games, and we talk about mechanisms. We will finish our mechanism series in the year 2030, um, but we are making some decent headway. Yeah. And see, that's not bad. And there will be some letters that go quicker than others, I'm sure. I think so, too. Well, let's yeah. jump into today's. We have command cards. And I was yeah. mentioning this to Roy, and he said, do you mean like commands and colors? And I was like, uh, most assuredly like <laughs> commands and colors. Because when you look at the games in this list, that's what they are. 
This is where you use a card to um, command some units on the board. So as far as I know, this is pretty much exclusively war games, although I guess you could call Dawn of the Peacekeepers not a war game. Dawn of the Peacekeepers is something else altogether. <laughs> Have you played it? Yeah, I did. I, I played it when it was on Kickstarter. Really, I, you know, it's it's a bold. It is a bold experiment. Um, and I don't know that it works 100%, but, you know, it's... Uh, you know, I, I could certainly see the appeal of it. Yeah, so if you've not played Dawn of the Peacekeepers, folks, it's a game in which you are a peacekeeping group trying to stop a war by walking around in the middle of a battlefield and trying to and get encouraging these, a war. Right. You're trying to get the armies to hurt each other equally, essentially, so that they all lay down their arms and go, this is too bloody, and end the war. Um, it's... And you do it with these cards. You're you're almost it's almost like a program thing. You're trying to figure out the best way to move the units. It's it's a little too weird for me, I think. Um Ooh, Guildmaster is on this list. Guildmaster? Huh. Guildmaster, I just got it in the mail. Um it's a sequel, I think, to the King's Guild, which is a game I liked a lot. Mm. Ooh, the Great Wall. Uh, the Great Wall is more worker placement, I think, than this. But that is a good uh, segue for me. I love the idea of this. To be honest, I have played Battle Lore a few times, which is coming up soon, I'm sure, since I don't see the list right now. Oh, uh, I didn't. I didn't put it on. The, the, the top three are Memoir 44, Battle Lore, and Command and Colors yeah, Ancients. There you go. Of course, which are all shades of the same basic idea. And I love the idea of yeah, I've got all these cards, and I could activate you, or I could activate you, or I could activate those three guys over there. I would actually love to see this in some kind of worker placement game. Imagine a game where all of our workers are already on the board, and we have, like, I don't know, big workers and little workers, or, you know, different types of meeples and whatnot, and, okay, well, I could activate all of those ones, or this one, oh, they're spread all over the place. That would be a really cool idea, and some, you know, fledgling board game designers should start working on that now. I agree. That's something I would also like a lot because I like this concept and I think it could work outside the war category. Definitely. That being said, let's jump to the next one because I know you like the next one, or I'm assuming you do. Um, I know I like it, and that is commodity speculation. So now this, (laughs) according to the folks who made this, they said it's a subcategory of betting and bluffing. In which in-game money is bet on different commodities and hope that that particular commodity will become the most valuable as the game progresses. Okay, that's, I guess. That's yeah, not quite so. what that, I think, how this works. Essentially, you are, so this is stock market to some degree. Exactly. yeah. But it's also, the commodity itself can go up or down based on you buying it or selling it. Mm-hmm. So modern art, is one example where the paintings can go up and down basically on how many paintings are sold or not. And in fact, I just recently played Modern Art, the card game, which does the same thing. Clans of Caledonia is the one they have listed here. Yeah. Um, And and that one, uh, a lot of times what you'll see is as players buy or sell, you know, I, I buy a whole bunch when it's low and because I bought, suddenly this price skyrockets representing scarcity in the real world and that means in the future I can now flip this stuff. And a big part of these games is kind of navigating that constantly fluctuating market because at any given time, I, you know, I'm waiting. I just want to get a little bit more money so I can buy a bit more. But the the uh, you know the, the the thing could skyrocket if somebody beats me to it, or the 
market could bottom out. If somebody sees I've got a whole bunch of stuff, they might want to tank the market in that commodity so that my investment isn't worth as much anymore. It's a really interesting indirect interaction between players if you're paying attention to everybody else's portfolio. Actually, I think if I was making a list of indirect actions that I like, this is one that would be my favorite, I think. The idea of manipulating a market in real life i hate the fact right you know it seems like an evil thing uh to some degree right but in in a game it's it's fun and it can be done where it doesn't feel overly mean like if i'm sitting there and i'm like i'm buying all these sheep and you're like well i'm not going to be investing in sheep and i'm like oh well maybe i shouldn't do that then because they're not going to be that valuable so i need to move to something else Glenn Moore has or it in it. Beat you at your game. Yeah. Um, some of these don't seem to fit here. Manila, Finca, Stockpile fits. Uh, yeah, stock. Oh, of course, it's it's in the title right there. I love the Glenn Moore market. I think it's one of the most clever ones. Uh, it's such a simple little thing, and you physically see the market. When I'm selling into the market, I'm literally putting the cattle or cubes into onto the board and that visually represents the increase or decreasing value of the stuff i always thought that was so clever a lot of times these are just sort of abstracted out on a on a on a bar or caledonia does it that where you see oh prices are falling or rising but here it's there's literally the market right there i sold all those cows that you might now buy you know kind of stuff really really nicely done glenmore is great in all ways though that's true and they just had an expansion up on Kickstarter. I don't know if did yes. you play it, the new stuff? No, I have not played the new one. I've played about half of the stuff that comes in the first Glenmore 2. It's amazing what's in that box. That's what I said. I, like, this is one of those times where I thought, do we need more? I haven't finished the box yet. I know, I know. There's a, a lot in there, but hey, you know, that's the nature of Kickstarting. Um, so I like this mechanism. This is one I wouldn't mind seeing in a game. Um, I think the the basic concept of players affecting the market yeah. is more interesting to me than random effects, which happens in some games. You know, some games you're drawing cards and the market goes yes. up or down. Uh, I like that players affect it more, but not just randomly affect it. Like, oh, I'm just going to crash the market. No, it's because of the actions I take, and I always find that fascinating. I, by the way, somebody just pointed out that apparently I am on the quiet side. And I'm no longer screaming about Comcast, so you can probably afford to bump me up a little bit now. Oh, you're bumped up all the way. I'll bump myself down, which is essentially the same thing. Yeah, there you go. Um, the interesting thing about this to me, I, I really like it a lot in theory. Often I find, because my wife and I, we predominantly play two players, a lot of times these don't really come alive as much with only two players. You really... Find yourself, sure. boy. If there was a third or a fourth player here, the market would be a lot more volatile, and it'd be a lot more exciting, and there'd be a lot more opportunities to strike while the iron is hot. Where you know, so sometimes these games they just it becomes a bit static. And under those circumstances, I think it's good potentially to have an event deck that juices the market a little bit. Or in other cases, like you know, Container, I know is a hugely well-respected game uh, in this genre of co- commodity speculation, and it just simply says, yeah. Three-player minimum. Because oh, as you said, I don't even think that one is two-player. But it would be terrible. Yeah, I think there's just some games are like that, you know. Yeah. So, Alrighty, so that is command cards and commodity speculation. Bonus points if you put both in the same game. 
That would be very cool. Oh my gosh, that would be. <laughs> You're right. That's uh, such a no-brainer. Um, I mean, it could be literally a you know a 70s, 80s stock market, um, you know, where you're actually controlling your traders on the floor, or it could be more of a general purpose. Oh my gosh, that's that's a really good. Yeah, if we start doing two from now on in an episode, we could always try to say, well, do these two work well together? Just based on alphabet. That would be interesting. Like we'll see. All right, well, <laughs> I haven't looked at the future ones. Yeah. All right, folks. You know, time it is. It's a time for a top five. All right. All right, everybody. So give us some ideas for a top 10 list here. And while you're doing that, I will go on ahead and bump my own volume up, which is dangerous because I got huge lungs and I might start blowing the mic out, but we'll see if I can go up from 75 to 90. Hopefully that will satisfy the crowd clamoring for more of my deep, deep bass. Now throw in one with Comcast! Just, uh, just as a uh, volume check. Well, if it helps at all, I got that one. <laughs> ah. Well, I see they're coming in fast and furious. They all are. Right. I'm, uh, I'm going to give you a, a, a good mix here. I'm going to give you six. Uh, oh, my. And I'll do oh, to make up for bailing on us last time yeah 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 um <laughs> what is that how's that how long is that gonna uh <laughs> i will never forget i forgive but i do not forget it's fine you know I, I i find it funny when people say that um they say i forgive but i don't forget usually means they don't forgive um <laughs> All right, I got three non, non ones. Uh, uh, blah blah blah. That's kind of boring. Um, that's interesting. But that one, I think we would both need to. I like this idea, but we would need to do more prep for it. I like the idea. The top five games with mean player interaction. It doesn't feel personal. That's a that, that oh, that's was, an interesting idea. That that's interesting. But I feel top five reasons Tom bailed last time. <laughs> <laughs> Alrighty. Oh, just as a heads up, folks, if you say your list multiple times, that's a real easy way for me not to pick it. Ah. Uh-huh. All right, here we go. I got him. Yep, there's always a uh, next episode, folks. You can make a swing back then. Alrighty, here we go. Top five ways to eat potatoes. Top five TV series finales. Oh. Top five video game franchises. Top five games that are that are fun to play, best out of three. Top five pinball games. And top five games that suck to teach. Oh, um, oh man. I, I, I love TV finales. Oh, man, I love that one so much. I could easily do a top five TV finales that irritated me and what I was not satisfied with. I, I, I'm sorry. Um, I th- those were excellent choices, folks. Please recommend them next time. But yeah, I love talking about TV finales. All right, 
All so right. you said Seinfeld and Lost. Um, what else is is it excellent? Oh, Game of Thrones, very good. <laughs> we're, we're nailing this hundred. I feel like those are obvious choices. Um, <laughs> um, although actually, for the record, I mean, I I wouldn't put Lost as a, a finale top five, but I think Lost is a wonderful finale. I would veto that not a top so five. strong. Well, here's the thing: there's a lot of that finale I really liked. I liked yeah. all the human interactions, um, and this doesn't spoil anything, but when Hurley sees Charlie again and he smiles so big, I really loved those things. But then when I got to the end, the very final, this is what was going on, was nothing to me. And they also. Now, are you talking about literally the final credit crawl? No, not the credit crawl, but like when they're all meeting together and you realize kind of where yeah. they're at and stuff, and it's like, what? Mm. That doesn't make any sense. I was. I you know I could barely even tell you what was happening. My eyes were so full of tears for the well, final the the, the, the interactions were cool, but I was unhappy with the lack of answers. And I don't yep. think they had to answer everything, but I felt like they could have answered maybe a couple things and not about Jack's tattoos. Yeah. <laughs> okay. You know what actually it occurs to me? This is an insanely spoilerific topic. That's true. So jump ahead here, folks. We'll try not to be too spoilerific, but also, um, yeah, I'm I'm gonna just write. I'm I'm gonna I'm I'm reading through the ones here that people are saying, and I'm gonna write down. Oh, the ones that jump out at you. The ones that jump out at me. Um, I'm also going to. I think it's reasonable. There's a couple shows that have had finales, and then they went on to do another season. Uh, or so, or a spinoff, and I feel like oh. I'm going to count, in my opinion, what the true finale was. Oh, sure, sure, sure. Um, well, while you're, um, uh, you know, c- catching eyeballs, I mean, I think no top five list of finales would be complete without talking about MASH. You know, I actually just watched that the other day. Really? Well, That's a crazy coincidence. Well, it's because I was just really curious about the finale, and I went and watched it, and it 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 meant nothing to me because I've only seen periodic episodes of MASH. Uh-huh. Right? So I'll see this episode, so this no episode, this episode. Right. And it wasn't that I I didn't think it was a bad episode. It's just that as he uh, the, the main character saying goodbye to each person. I think you froze. Look at that, though. He looks so inquisitive there, folks. In that thing, we'll bring him back. Hang on. Um, says reconnecting. Give us a second. Poor internet connection. I'm assuming you all can, you all can see me there. Now he's back. You're back. We got you. Back, uh, folks. Excuse me for a second. Conquest. <laughs> Jeez, I have had nothing but just nightmares from this router for the last three or four months i really need to call them up and get them to send me a new one it's just hard i can't justify i anyway sorry anyway you were saying it looked like you, you were listening to me the worst of all time. no i didn't say that i i think it's fine it just said i it's one of those ones where i just have to accept it or i have to go back and watch the whole thing through so i think it's a pretty standalone i mean the you know the basically 
for the most part, MASH is a show that, for you know, the, the characters are in amber. They are frozen in time in a perpetual second act. And, you know, that final two hour, which was really unusual at the time. I remember I was a kid when it was on TV in the 70s or maybe it was the early 80s. And we my family, we all watched together. And it was a two hour movie for a sitcom. And that was really uh, outside the norm. And. You know, there were there were funny bits, but it was so much more serious with Hawkeye dealing with PTSD before we as a society recognized that. And, you know, the final image um, that helps him, you know, resolve everything I, I, to me, uh, maybe it was because I was a kid and it was so powerful and impactful for me because that was definitely CBS must see TV for us every week as a family. Uh, that I will. I mean, I, I nominate it, but you do have. We have veto power over well, each other. Well, I'm not vetoing with- it uh, as of yet because, again, I'm not saying I didn't like it or anything. I just I'm saying I didn't feel that connection, but I I understood it. And the the final scene is you know a classic, and I think I yes. went back because I was trying to figure out, you know, what was going on a little bit. I don't know what made me watch it, but anyhow, so I put it in here. That's, that's a strong possibility. All right, let me. Well, what else you got? Well, I'll throw out, I think the strongest finale for me, even though it didn't make me happy, yes. um, would be the Breaking Bad. Yeah. You know, I liked Breaking Bad's finale a lot more um, when... Uh, how, how often do we talk about this stuff? I mean, these are finales. People just have to skip this section, right? Yeah, so, yeah if you don't want spoilers, just skip ahead. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> or, or come back in uh, 10 minutes. Yeah, sorry, folks. I, I didn't even think about that. But, okay, so the Breaking Bad finale, I, I'm sure you've heard the uh, the theory that it's all in Walt's head. That he literally, while he's sitting in the car, freezing because he can't get it started, and he literally falls to sleep, and everything that happens after that moment is wish fantasy fulfillment for him. Sure, this but is- they... But they then had that movie that just came out that kind of... Exactly, the Jesse Pinkman movie that kind of totally invalidates that. I mean, so I thought it was well done, and um, but it almost felt just... I mean, the, the final image is great. You know, the, the, uh, the, 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 everything that he has done, his last dying moments are surrounded by what his life has become, and I like that. But it really felt a bit over the top, and to be fair... Breaking Bad has always been over the top. I mean, you know, he's always done absolutely insane, crazy stuff for a. Well, if you picked the episode Ozymandias, which was like three episodes before that, if that was the ending, holy cow. (sighs) Yes. Um, So I would have loved, I I, I can imagine, okay, we see all that stuff, and as it's fading to black, as the camera's pulling away from him, we cut back to, uh, you know, a, 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 a patrolman finds a frozen dead guy on the side of a road. And I mean, and that would, I mean, that, that would have added an extra level of pathos. And so it's kind of unfair to compare it to kind of what the internet wants it to be. As soon as I heard that, there, I was like, oh my gosh, that's so much better. All right, well, let me give you two of my favorite finales then. One is Futurama. Now, to be fair, Futurama's had like four finales, but <laughs> the final one that they did where uh, everyone else was frozen in time except for them, I really like that. It was very, very emotionally satisfying. I agree. Um, And then the other one is I really liked the finale, even though there was a season after it, of Scrubs. But I think you could argue that the final... New Scrubs. Huh? Scrubs going back to school. Yeah. Yeah, whatever. That that was like not not the same show even, really. No, no, definitely. 
Um, but the finale before that, I really enjoyed. Scrubs is a, it was a great show. All I mean, gosh, I mean, you know, much like Mash, uh, you know, such a you know emotionally powerful show while still just being wildly entertaining and very charismatic, funny people. Those are good ones. Now let me ask you this: this I don't know, I don't understand why this is such a Marmite one. People seem to either love or hate the finale for Quantum Leap. Are you a lover or a hater? Because uh, I, I, I knew, I knew what happened before I saw it. I think if I hadn't known it, I would have been mad. Yeah. But since I did know it, I kind of was not as unhappy with it. Um, although I would prefer if they rebooted the series and then gave it a better ending, maybe. But how dare you, sir? How dare you? That that ending was pitch perfect. It was so beautiful. Although, to be fair, it was not intended to be. As I understand it, that was more just like a cliffhanger type thing. But it sure. just and I think the, the coda, the words they put at the end were like, oh, this is a real finale. OK, let's put some text on the screen um, because they were intending to continue on. Uh, but I gosh, I, you know, that that final the finale just underscores the heart of that show, which is Sam Beckett and his journey and what he was willing to sacrifice for his friend and for everyone. And um, I mean, I, I, I can't talk about it because I will actually start tearing up thinking about it right now. So um, other than the fact that, that that hastily added text they put at the end, they literally misspell his name, I think, if I recall correctly. Well, that uh, I wouldn't remember. Beckett wrong. But um, still, I, I think it's I think it's one of the most amazing things. It's it's brave and meaningful and resonant in a way that the Sopranos finale was not, as an example. Well, yeah, I would. I'm sorry, I'm gonna veto. I haven't even seen that, but I know what it is. Uh, what about West Wing's finale? <sighs> um, what is it? That's uh, passing the baton to. I I I I loved West Wing, and I and honestly, it's interesting. I had missed West Wing, and I only started watching the was it the seventh and final season, I think, because they brought Janine Garofalo on as a character. And I oh, I love Janine Garofalo. I guess I'll really that's what it. made that's what made you watch it. All right, fine. <laughs> exactly. And then oh, this is really cool. I really like this. I guess uh, the, uh, my whole experience with West Wing was this is my introduction, and now eight years earlier, and then my watch building up to what West Wing was for me. I have to admit, um, I, gosh, I hate doing spoilers. I, I it was it was good. But I don't, I, I don't remember it as strongly as I remember some things. It, it didn't quite make as strong an impact on me. Well, what else you got? Well, uh, one of my favorites is the movie, which is kind of like the last episode of For Farscape. Oh, I've never seen Farscape, so no I couldn't problem. say. I'm just putting out there. I want to tell people how much I like that. Um, then, of course, there's the classic uh, Newhart. You know, oh, where he wakes up. Yeah, that's excellent. Yeah, um, I I know there's a lot of good. I know that people there's a lot of uh, good endings that people like that I haven't seen the show. I know that Six Feet Under. I think everyone raves about the ending to that. Oh my God, I will cry so hard if we talk about Six Feet Under. Um, so I haven't, oh but I haven't seen that one, so I don't know. But I've heard that one's a good one. In particulars, there is a moment where a character is saying goodbye to everything that character's ever known. And is driving away. And, oh no, no, I'm not even going to talk. Oh my God. <laughs> oh, no, it's amazing. All right. So, yeah, Six Feet Under definitely makes my top five. 
Okay, um, so, so far we have MASH and Scrubs and Futurama. <laughs> we, need, we need two more. No one has mentioned Star Trek Next Gen. All good oh. things. Next Gen is not my favorite Star Trek, but you can't top that finale. I mean, Deep Space Nine had a, a, an overall really good one, too, but all good things, that's... That, that's Okay, that's I, I'll give you three. that one. I think I like the Deep Space Nine one better, um, but that's only because I like Cisco so much. Um, but I think it's more emotionally satisfying, the, the Deep Space Nine. Oh, oh, The Good Place. That's a good one. Have you watched that? It's The Good Place. Oh, my gosh. What, why did I pick this? This is just nothing but making me cry for 15 well, minutes. Well, then don't. Um, <laughs> I'm not oh, no. playing the music. I'm not. The Good Place. <sighs> yes. I'm sorry, I don't mean to laugh at your pain. Um, <laughs> yes, The Good Place is really good, too. Okay, so on ones that we can agree on, we have Good Place, Futurama, Scrubs, MASH, and Star Trek. And we probably should move on so that we can get to a topic. One more. No, that's five. Five? That's five. Give me it again. Good Place, Futurama, Scrubs, MASH, and Star Trek. Uh, next gen. Uh, I'm sure there it. are many other good ones, folks. And <laughs> um, I'm getting all. All right, we're not going to spoil the good place. Um, we don't even have to talk about it. We don't even have to talk about it. Alrighty. Well, that brings us to questions. <laughs> so, does anyone have any questions? Ask us like the most heart wrenching moment from our childhood and stuff. Somebody ask about dead dogs. Just don't do that. I mean, oh please. I, I like my dog right now. Alrighty, folks. So if you have any questions, you can ask them, and we will do our best to give you good, solid answers to those questions that we will disagree on. Um, so I do. Gator Dave Gator says, Dave. I think top five top ice cream five flavors would have fewer tears. <laughs> we already did top five ice cream flavors, I think. So, okay, this is one. How have the fires affected you? Um, we are really lucky. We are in southwest Washington state. And it, other than for, I guess, a couple of weeks, we had very smoky um, skies. And it was just unpleasant to be outside. And we didn't see the sun. Or we just saw a weird, oddly colored skyscape. Uh, it really didn't affect us day to day. We just kept the doors and windows closed the whole time and just stayed indoors, especially for my mom, who um, you know was 73 and couldn't deal with it very much. But yeah, it was um, happening a million miles away from us. And uh, it was just a few days ago, we finally had our first rain and that, and that just cleared it all away. And of course, it's having a big impact everywhere else. So I, I, uh, I'm more worried. Uh, my wife, she has family in Central California. And so far, they've been lucky. But, you know, they are, they're more at risk than us. But so far, things are going okay. You know, fingers crossed. All right, Mario says, looking back on reviewers, what would Tom say about one year, five years, and ten years ago, Tom Reviewer, and Richard the same about himself? So let's, let's take oh. this. Let's, uh, if I go back and talk to myself, and you're, you talk to yourself when we first start reviewing. <sighs> yeah, because I'm coming up on ten years. And, of course, you're at whatever. 15 or something. 18. Um, 18? Oh, that's 18 reviews, right? Uh, but video? You've been doing a video for 18? Oh, oh, video is just 10. 
Yeah. Oh, but, I mean, to be fair, 18, 18 counts. 18 counts. Um, I think, I don't know that I would say anything to myself. I mean, I, I, I look back and definitely when you first start reviewing, period, you are going from your own frame of reference. And yeah. everything is new and exciting to you. A game that I reviewed uh, that back then, I, I would be probably harsher to now, if only because I have a vaster bank of knowledge. But also, yeah. my tastes have changed so yeah. much. Like, I, I w- if you said 18 years ago, if someone said to me, Tom, there's a new game coming out. It's a six-hour game that, you know, here's the rule book. It's 60 pages, you know, <laughs> and it will probably – it's a campaign game. I would have said that might be the greatest game I've ever heard of. And now I'd be like, well, I don't know if I have time for that. <laughs> Yep, yep, yep. I, he, for me, going back 10 years, or just shy of 10 years, going back nine years ago, the number one thing I would say is put the cell phone down and buy a camera. Knock <laughs> it off with the iPhone 4. Um, you're going to stick with this. You can go on ahead and make the investment. That was I was always just so hesitant. Yeah, I'm just going to do this for a lark. I'm not going to stick with this. I'm sure, sure I'm going to but... buy a camera and it'll be in the closet forever. But see, I don't know that I would say it because I, I always tell new reviewers to yeah. not go out and buy great equipment. I agree. I agree. Okay, so I'll amend that. Because actually, in all honesty, the iPhone 4 for the time had a pretty decent camera. But I would say go out and buy a $20 you know, uh, uh, tripod. Just do it. Just do it. That me, I mean, I spent so much time just trying to get the, you know, just tiny little human tremors that get amplified by holding a camera in hand when you're looking at something really close. I mean, I go back and I look at that stuff, and it's like, I, I'm happy with my delivery. I mean, I think I picked that up, and I've always just kind of had the same approach. Uh, but to visually, it's, it's just so jarring. Um, although, I would also go back 10 years or 9 years and say, watch the ums. Literally, on the camera I'm looking at right now, right below it, you, is this post-it note that says, um, to remind myself not to say, um, all the time. It's so easy. If you go back and watch my original ones, I'm saying, um, every 12 seconds. Uh, just to keep the pattern going. And I still do it somewhat, but it, it is definitely minimized. And those are the things that bother me the most when I look at my early stuff. That I should have, I should have just bought the bullet and invested not a lot i agree with you 100 but a little bit or i should have just worked a bit harder on my production value sure but we didn't know that you know again we didn't know where it'd be honestly i had no expectations of doing it for more than a year i I just thought this is going to be an interesting little side gig but it's it's not like it'll catch on five years ago or sorry go on i would also maybe go back and tell myself don't read the comments so much um (laughs) Don't go to Reddit. I should tell myself that today. <laughs> I still haven't. <laughs> All right. Hey, we got a question that we should have answered at the beginning. What game is in front of you? Oh, this is your favorite, Dreamscape. Oh, you're right. I should have recognized it. I'm not used yeah. to seeing it from that yeah, angle. Yep. Yeah, I just the, just the other day finished filming an epic four-part video going over all of its little expansions. They're just, these are insane. I mean, these look like little tiny boxes, but they, you know, it's basically like, you know, like a queen game expansion where, hey, here's four different modules and you can mix and match them and turn them on and off. And it's just, they all came in cute little boxes. But uh, yeah, I mean, Jedi, well, 
when I originally played it, I hadn't played it with Jen. So we got it out because I finally got a copy, and she really liked it too. And then we spent the next couple days playing through all four of these, and it's crazy um, just how much gets added. This game gets so incredibly crunchy when you're being chased around by the Red Raven, and suddenly you use nightmares to good effect. And uh, it's 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 very pretty. We really like it a lot. You couldn't stand it, as I recall. Uh, uh, who's counting? Um <laughs> Kabuki Kid says, do you have a library card file to find your games on those shelves since they're hidden behind a display box? Yes, I do. I have a Word document that is basically just a big grid. Uh, and um, every, you know, what's it? Shakespeare in its little grid is in red. And then all the other games that are behind it, which are Dice Settlers, Elysium, Cosmic Colonies, and Galaxy Trucker, just totally randomly. So if I need to find Galaxy Trucker, I have no idea where it is. I just open this Word doc. Galax. Oh, okay. It's on the Shakespeare shelf, and I can find it. I have actually find games faster now than I ever did before when everything was just, you know, sideways facing out. Yeah, I actually, I've made my, my listing here of where games are, and I had them on which shelf they were, but now I know what shelf they are on that shelf, too. That helps a lot. Yep, yep, yep. All right, do you prefer inserts or baggies? Baggies, 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 baggies all day long. Baggies, what? baggies, baggies while I sing this song. I I appreciate inserts and I, you know, sometimes they're so cool and elaborate and clever and you know they've got branding in them and all that and I'm just like I look at that and say, "Wow, you just made it so me putting this game away takes 3 times longer." I I don't <sighs> disagree. I I really like the little plastic containers. I like those better in baggies because you pull those out and pop them open. But I know that's not... Those the, are just really nice baggies, basically. I, there are a few inserts I really like from game trays where you can pop the lid off and pull everything out. Yeah. However, some game trays, and I like game trays a lot, but some game trays inserts recently that I've gotten... And I took everything out of the box, and I couldn't remember how that insert went back in the box. Um, yeah. yeah. What's the game? Oh, it's this one right here, the Title Blades. Um, I was trying oh, which to... Which is a monster box, yeah. And I was sitting there like, how did these inserts go in the box? <clears throat> and what cards go where in the inserts? Sometimes the inserts are too clever for me. Yeah. Um, I got one recently where I didn't... The insert was clearly made for the game. And I was like, well, how does it go in? But I'll tell you, most of the time, an insert, once no one's looking, it's out. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel bad sometimes. But as a general rule, I mean, life is just... When I put this game away, because I filmed it and now I'm done, I, I, just, I have a bunch of baggies right there. This is so simple. Just scoop them up, put them in the bag, throw them in the box, and setup is so fast. And also it means... Eventually, when expansions come out, I will be able to put the expansion content in the original box, as opposed to having to put an expansion box on the board because the insert won't support that additional stuff. Um, you know, and then on top of that, like, what did we just played Sabotage, which has really super, um, you know, elaborate, uh, you know, game trays inserts, but they didn't come with the snap-on plastic cover. So if you put that on the shelf sideways, everything's going everywhere. And well. I would have rather just put everything in baggies and and including my decks of cards. So yeah, baggies twenty four seven. Plus, I imagine I don't know. Could I make the argument they're better for the environment too? I don't know what the uh, footprint of vacuum form. It depends what you're comparing them to. The the, the yeah. cardboard inserts are probably better. Sure. Um, 
But since I'm not throwing them away, it's probably better to have the bags. Those weird Euro cardboard inserts that are literally just, hey, let's get this piece of uh, cardboard, fold it in half, and then slot it into the different slots and slot this one in to make four little cells. I mean, I don't understand the point of that. Uh, sometimes you... cardboard inserts are in the game simply to hold the components in while it's being sold. Sometimes oh. that's the point of an insert, okay. right? It holds that's the... the point. You don't want the stuff rattling around. I just was... I don't know if you were there where I was uh, asking... Yeah, you were. You were in that conversation. We were talking to the... I was asking why the rule books were the size of the box and how much that bugged yes. me. And yep, they yep, said yep. the same thing. They said those big rule books don't rattle around as much in a box. That still and isn't good enough for me. I still want a rule book. Like, say this one. Yeah. All right. Good point. Let's say you're retiring in one year. What would you do to make sure your channel continued? I don't know how you could answer that. Rado runs through. Now without Rado. Well, no, I'm, 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 I'm taking steps. I do have a contributor who I, uh, you know, he started in May and he has done 15 run-throughs. And we talked about it. Shay, Shay Parker of RTFM. He has his, great, his own channel. And I spent some time training him in doing run-throughs in my style. And he's an actual an actor in Hollywood. So he was able to kind of pick it up and learn because he's done lots of improv and whatnot. And he's doing great. He has done 15 run-throughs now. And... I can imagine somewhere down the line of maybe a year from now saying, oh, oh, Rado keeps doing fewer and fewer and Shay keeps doing more and more. What's that about? Maybe. I could see that happening. And maybe bringing on a few other folks who have, I mean, it really is kind of an improv skill. Being able to do a run through, keep everything in your head, keep multiple players in your head, and always be making choices that seem like they make strategic sense, but are really more to demonstrate the next feature of the game. Because, okay, I haven't talked about this deck of cards. I really need to make a move that will allow me to draw a card from that deck. And can I even justify that all going live in real time? It is, it's a lot of spinning plates, and Shay's picked it up. And, yeah, I, I, I can imagine getting a few more folks to help out. Uh, yeah, I, I'm working on that constantly, just trying to increase uh, the channel and have less of me, but I'm not planning on retiring in a year, so there's yeah. that. Yeah. Oh, and I see Clibley asked, what about Ryan? Uh, we talked about Ryan doing run-throughs as well, but he just wanted to stay in the house. So I'm mostly talking about the run-through thing. And that's the weird thing. We did talk about this when Shay started, and should he say, hey, everybody, today Shay, Shay runs through, and it just didn't sound as good without the alliteration. So he's, he starts every video saying, hey, everybody, today Rado runs through, blah, and then he sees a picture of himself, and I'm not Rado, but I'm here to help Rado out. So it's, it's becoming more that, oh, it's not about me. It's about the style of run-through. That's a Rado run-through. And if I'm not careful, it might become like Kleenex, and I need to trademark that. I just had an idea. All right. Uh -oh. Anyhow, <laughs> so someone, someone mentioned here you were talking about cell phone. What is your first cell phone, or what was your first cell phone? Oh, uh, I, we, my wife and I, we had one of those X-Files big bricks. Uh, it, was, it was way too expensive to use. We just kept it in the car because we had a really crap. It wasn't a Pinto, but it was something like a Pinto uh, <laughs> that was totally unreliable and could break down any time. And we just needed that. 
uh, to be able to call if we got stuck on the middle of I-5 in uh, Seattle because it did have a tendency to break down, and its brakes were atrocious. I had to push so hard to stop. It was terrifying. So we had one of those big things, and um, we could just couldn't afford because you had to pay by the minute. It was, I don't know, 10 bucks a minute or something insane like that. Oh, but wow. Then you were. And we only used it in emergencies. You were way ahead of me. My wife and I got them when we first got married. I, they were... They weren't flip phones. I think it was a slide phone, right? You slid it up. Um, I don't remember. I remember I had a screen and I could play some memory match game on it. And yeah. I thought that was kind of cool. But uh, they were just useful for us to contact each other. I don't remember the company. I, I, when we got, even when I got to Korea for 10 years, I used a cell phone there. But I just used whatever cell phone I could get my hands on. It didn't matter to me what kind of phone it was. Yeah, and just then, some cheap little Nokia knockoff. When we got back something. to America, I said, all right, I'll, I'll get on this smartphone thing, but I don't know why I would ever use my phone to get on the internet. <laughs> no. I remember the first phone I actually cared about was a Windows CE phone. I want to say it was from Kyocera. It, um, and it was, you know, basically uh, it was Microsoft's answer to trying, look, we can do a Palm Pilot, but make it a phone. And so it was a precursor to what we now know of as smartphones. And it was awesome. Uh, you know, when I was standing in line at movies and I was browsing the internet and checking email, and you know, and this was back in the early 2000s, everybody's like, "What? What? Why is he staring so intently at his phone? How many texts can he actually send?" I was like, "Nope, this is the internet right here in black and white with a stylus." Um, and I had to use the weird little, or maybe it was a Palm Piloty thing. But anyway, I really love that, and I have always been way on board with smartphones long before iPhone ever came out. I went through at least three or four. Windows device ones that, that had flip-ups with full keyboards and all kinds of stuff. I've always loved those. All righty, let's see here. How did you feel about your baby versions in the No Time for Games video? Oh, my gosh, that was awesome. You've seen that, I'm sure. I have. I uh, Rado looks much younger, um, <laughs> as we all do, but Paula Deming looks the best, I thought. Paula um, Deming, um, yeah, she was just a child. Uh, you know, her and actually Shay, my contributor, he was, and I thought he worked really well too. It was weird though because I don't think I ever appreciated how much of being a grown-up is in mannerisms because some of them were photo perfect. If you froze it, yeah, that's a child. But then when you see them moving and doing, you know, body language that feels really weird seeing a young child do like that is the most mature child i have ever seen in my life <laughs> something like this and it's like you don't think about it but yeah you just you know you expect children to do that um although funnily i thought dan king's worked so well because his his face is so expressive i mean when he's talking you know and 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 that translated to like i i, I never appreciated it dan king has such a childlike sense of joy and wonder in his delivery that it transposed beautifully onto a child. Really? See, I thought he was the most adult-looking of the babies. I, I, I thought his mannerisms fit the childhood framing the best, the way his face moves when he talked. It seemed more kid-like. And I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean it in a joyful way. My biggest problem with me was they chose a video, and to be understand, it's understandable, where I had a pretty long 5 o'clock shadow. And so I was the baby with the weird beard, which um, kind of broke it a little bit. What happens when the power's out and you need to find a game? <laughs> <laughs> well, at any given time, this is all for looks. The real shelf is in the next room where Jen and I play games because that's where there's the 80 or so 
games in my queue that I have to play. The publishers have well, sent. Well, the power's out. We have other problems anyway. You, that takes care of lights and things like that. I have a pretty strong battery that I have for such an emergencies, and I would just use iPhone or, or uh, iPad at that point in time. Yeah, it is on. I do have it on OneDrive, so I guess I could always look it up on my phone, unless you know, cell coverage is down. Let's see. People are still talking about boxes and bags, and oh, not about my uh, emotional breakdown. Hopefully, no, hopefully no, that was mentioned many times. I'm just being kind. Um, <laughs> card drafting or dice drafting? Ooh. Dice, 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 dice. And I love card drafting too, but. Um, you know, uh, yeah, I, 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 anytime you can do something other than roll to resolve with dice, I am on board. And, um, you know, the way dice, you know, a lot of games, you can draft them, but then you can manipulate them after the fact, uh, you know, the fact that the pool is never a hundred percent predictable. It's not going to be the same old cards that keep coming out. I mean, I, I like card drafting too, but dice drafting, I, I, dice are implicitly more fun than cards. It's nicer to hold them. It's nicer to hoard them and collect them. I mean, there's nothing wrong with a hand of cards and drafting those two, but I like dice. Okay. Um, you? Yeah, I think maybe dice. I don't know. I like drafting so much. I'll tell you what I really would like is a... if There's very few games that do hybrid drafting, but I tend mm-hmm. to like that. Um, so there's some games, I'm trying to remember what they are now, where there's a bunch of things out there to draft that you can draft a die... Or a card, and then your next turn you take the other or one of the two. tokens, or five bucks, or yeah, that's yes. I know what you're talking. I I can think of a game I played recently that did that, and I thought that was really cool <laughs> and very refreshing. I'm I mean, because really it really what it was. You know, not only am I just evaluating a bunch of cards against each other, but I'm evaluating completely different things that do different things in the game. And what do I need more right now? And what do you need more? Yeah, that's actually really cool. More hybrid drafting, publishers. All right, people are still talking about inserts and bags. I'm zooming wow. down here. It's a hot button topic. Yeah, well, it is something that people, some people just hate throwing them away. I get that. So, I know. I feel, I mean, particularly because, you know, well, you know, some of them you don't mind so much because, okay, this is clearly just a standard one that this company puts in all their boxes that are this size. But when it's one that was clearly somebody worked for hours or days or weeks trying to make every single thing fit that one coin goes in that little slot right there the craftsmanship on display i I, that i feel horrible and so you can't see it but i've got a little mini attic in this room up there and that is the uh graveyard of lost inserts i didn't throw them away they're just all tossed up there and there's dozens i probably couldn't tell you what any of them are now but i didn't toss them all right do you plan says todd i'm playing more games when you retire or the games you like the most um I'm sorry, was that a question for you? You said Tom? No, both. Do you plan on playing more games when you retire? No, I think I'll be playing less. I will definitely slow down. I mean, you and I are both the same. I think you and I, I figured this out not too long ago, um, are the number one and the number two in the industry in terms of just number of unique games we cover in a given year. Obviously, you're far and away above everybody, but I I think I'm a pretty strong candidate for number two. Roy said the other day he thinks I play more bad games than anyone else on Earth. Um, I mean, it's... You win that one as well, definitely. Yay. Uh-huh. Here's the thing. I think on this we differ, though, because I, if I retired and I started playing games, I would unretire really fast because I like talking about games 
just as much as I like playing them. So if I played sure. games, it would drive me nuts because I would want to talk about them. So I don't know that I'm so ever going to retire. You literally cannot retire. I plan you to will be die on camera. On your deathbed. Tom's final, your final, final thoughts. <laughs> final thoughts. That'd be so morbid. But I would be like, cubes, I'm going to drop them before I go. I, I don't know how we went down that road. I'm really sorry. Um, so <laughs> let's, uh, um, let's see what we got here. Yeah, someone said that. I, I missed it here. Someone said you should make RADO an acronym uh, for like uh, how you review a game. And that way when you leave, you can, people can still use it. Oh, my God. Whoever said that? That is a fantastic idea. I am literally going to work on that. I I love that idea. And it's never occurred to me. That way, wow. if you leave, the the, right. the the channel still is that. Yep, yep, yep. I mean, it's going to happen someday, but not today. Uh, <laughs> well, let's say you could only keep board games starting with one letter. What would that letter be? Probably T, because of all the games that start with the. <laughs> that would be the one time where I would argue that. I'd be like, well, this says the, but I would actually just, actually, I know that in my top 10 games as of last year, three of them start with S, so I'd probably have to say S. Because only because you want to have as few games as possible? No, I mean, three my, of my I top 10. I'm, no, I'm saying I, three of my yeah. top 10 start with S. Oh, of your top tens. Oh, that's a good way to look at it. Yeah, so, I mean, I would. I, that's the easiest way. I would just organize my top games, probably, and then just sort them by letter and pick the one with the most. I guess... This is a question for the ages. Let me look at my top ten. <laughs> so I can... uh, and I'm going to ignore the T, the the trick. That's totally... I know, I was just being stupid. That's cheating. Wow. At first glance, it's almost looking like D, maybe? With Dungeon Pets, because my wife would never forgive me if we didn't have that, and Dominion... But yeah, that's not bad. P's got Peloponnese and um, and Pandemic. Definitely should do P uh, over that. And Manhattan Project, but that's cheating. Ooh, M is a pretty... Oh, that's hard. That's a tough choice. And I haven't been primed for this over the last year by doing monthly or bi-monthly uh, top 10 alphabet things. So Tom has me at a disadvantage here, definitely. Well, sure, but I mean, it's not. that's not the thing. I mean... I still don't know that I would pick a letter. It's an arbitrary thing that I don't know that I would do. <laughs> you know, that's there's if if I ever keep games, um, it's going to be picked on the game. I wouldn't pick them based on a letter. I know some people do that, and it's always mind boggling me. I laugh about this all the time that the the puffing Billy group, where they play games at cons, and they play games that are train themed games, but they okay. don't care. I don't know why this is. Oh, they don't care what type of genre? They don't care. Like, they'll play 18... So, if they were playing 18XX and train cram games, I'd be like, okay, that makes sense, right? Yeah. But they also play Tickets Right, fine. But then they'll play Trains, which is a deck-building game. And after a while, I'm thinking, what if I Rails, which is a real-time dexterity game, yeah. Right, so after a while, I'm I'm thinking, that seems odd that you pick the theme there. I mean, you can. You can do whatever you want. Huh? I do kind of dig that, um, because it's less about the game, and it's more about their deep abiding love of trains and all the different ways they can explore that love. That's kind of cool. You're a monster for trying to shut them down. How I'm cool. not trying to shut them down. I just think it's odd. That's all. Um, 
I would rather pick based on mechanisms, I think, than a theme if I'm keeping a group of things. <clears throat> All right, what do we got? Uh, I was afraid you were gone again. That Comcasted me, but... <laughs> You've been Comcasted. Has board game art impacted your ratings ever? Probably. Probably. For sure. Oh, let's see. What's the most extreme example I can think of? The most extreme example I would think of would be Adventures of D, which I think you played, right? I think you covered it a long time ago. Oh, man, that's little... unfortunate. It's a, it's a nice little game with really bad art. It's some of the worst ever. And I still rated that. I, I think I rated that. I think I was able to ignore just how just atrocious it looked and just appreciate it for the gameplay. Maybe I knocked it down a couple of pegs because the art was so bad. Didn't they redo and, that uh, one, though? Huh? Didn't they remake it? Yes, it's um, it, they did a Kickstarter. I think it's just now starting to arrive at backers. And so I'm looking forward to seeing that um, because it is no longer the ugliest game in my collection because I did hold on to it. See, the other way, something that's so amazingly beautiful. I think, it was just... I think some of that amazingly beautiful stuff will sometimes seep into you and you will like it more, but it, you don't know what you would – you don't know how much you would like the game without it. So, for example, that's... Wingspan, I think I would like the game if it had stick figure birds on it, but I don't know. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I guess you're right. It's, uh, it's, it's obviously true that we're affected by art, because if we weren't, then you should enjoy Wingspan just as much if there's literally no art, and there is nothing but text on every card. But I and wouldn't. obviously, we would mark that game down. So, um, yeah, I, I would say so. I would say we're human beings. Of course, we respond to aesthetics. Just like we do, we respond to aesthetics in nature. People respond to a beautiful sunset. We respond to a beautiful game, too. It would be inhuman to not do that. So, yeah. Well, that's a good question, though. And I, I have some friends who argue with me that components don't matter for a game. But I just, I don't believe that. Like, if that's true, then why don't you just draw out the game and play everything on paper? They have to matter at least a little. Project Elite. The original draw-out <laughs> version versus the Seamon version. I mean, come on. There's plastic no way you can get I love version. my plastic blobs. <laughs> your, your dangerous alien melted ice cream cones. Mm, 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 mm. So, alrighty, folks. Well, that's it. We're at the end of okay. another episode. Don't forget, we have... Uh, give a final shout-out to the contest. Well, I was just... Yes, I do, actually. So that's that. Soul Givers. So you can check that out. It's a two-player game, which kind of puts it yes. in some people's wheelhouse more than others. Um, so you can win a copy of that. Go back to the very beginning of the episode to find out how. And you can check yeah, it out. There's still... Links in the show notes. I put all the contest details right down there, right below us. Well, right how as convenient for that. And there's still 22 days to go. So there's plenty of time for you to take a look at it, watch the videos, and more. We'll be back in two weeks on my channel. So we'll come back there taking another top five list with a new router. And (laughs) (laughs) the time has come. I I need to roll up my sleeves and do battle with the customer service reps at Comcast or Xfinity because no more. The line has been drawn in the sand. All righty. Well, until next time, I'm Tom Vassell. I'm Rado. Have fun gaming.